Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. This is a Zoom call. This is to a fellow podcaster. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about it, but I have Corbin Elliott. Not only does he co-host a podcast, he's written a book, and uh, I'm a big fan of what their show promotes. And so, uh, Corbin, how you doing, brother? Man, I am doing awesome. Just living in luxury, you know. Just had a nice hamburger and cheese quiche, and now I'm here just living it up with with my man Alan. So it's been great getting to know the the Bama boy and having a little bit of Roll Tide talk. Yeah, that's it. And you know, the thing about the whole Roll Tide is it's not so Roll Tide around here right now. But uh, uh, I work in Starville. <laughs> <laughs> So where I live, I, uh-huh. I live directly between uh, Tuscaloosa, which is God's country. Uh, that's where they make national championships in football, and um, <laughs> right. And then just to the west, uh, the same distance is Starville, and that's where I work. And uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs ah, will you. be hosting the Alabama Crimson Tide, and we have this uh, crazy coffee shop in town. Uh, it's called Strange Brew, and they always uh, really support whatever is going on, like, culturally, specifically with maybe whatever uh, sport is going on at State, and I can't wait for them. I'm going to go by there tomorrow, and I'll have to tell you if it is. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you, but I bet it says something like this. Don't take it out on us, Saban. We didn't do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. With the, and that 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 happened, um, oh, I think, two years ago, maybe three now. But uh, Alabama was upset the week before they played Mississippi State. It, it had to be two years ago because um, they swapped uh, hosts and one another. And uh, State put that same sign up, saving we didn't do it. Don't be mad at us. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Got to pull that sucker back out. Yeah, I mean, so uh, uh, what about at North Carolina? Who do you pull for? Are you a Tar Heel, NC State? You know, I may be. I may get some hate mail for this, but uh, I'm I'm a Duke fan. Yeah, that's sort of the right on. Sort of the. Yeah, well, I appreciate that reaction. You know, I get some. You a demon deacon, that, are you? So. <laughs> Uh, no, of uh, a demon deacon. Oh no, a, a blue devil. I'm a. I'm a. That's I'm right. A, actually, it's, I'm yeah, actually a devil. devil. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Boy, oh, but yeah, anyway, uh, close enough. So I guess you're a big basketball fan. Right on. You got you got that algorithm <laughs> figured out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So of. Uh, Man, let's let's uh, let's get going. Uh, tell me a little okay. bit about uh, your podcast for starters. What's it about? Yeah, so it's called the Peace and Purpose Podcast, and it was born out of me and a guy friend of mine. I'm 23. He is also 23. We were recent college graduates. Graduated under the time of coronavirus, and you know we just had conversations that were more. I guess you'd say authentic and true, like we weren't holding back about the way we felt. And it was just a nice thing to talk with someone without, you know, holding our cards to our chest like we do a lot of times, having vulnerable conversations. And 
so that being the premise where it was born out of, the rest of it has really been my experience as a young adult, like coming out of college. Each season is something, is a problem that I've solved for myself. So like the first season was about anxiety. Um, I was super anxious coming out of college. I wasn't sure where I was going with my life. I had no clue. I was super upset about it. And honestly, it was pretty debilitating for my motivation. So the first season, I started the podcast as I was coming out of that, as I was finding my direction. And as a result, the first season is I essentially tell people the solutions that I found for myself. So I think of it as I'm speaking to my past self when I'm recording the podcast. So anyway, the first season is about anxiety and stress and anxiety. The second season is about using faith to do things that you want to do, bold things that are maybe out of the spectrum that people consider to be normal. And then the most recent season, the one that we're actually recording now and producing now, is about goal-setting. And it's about the neuroscience and psychology of how to effectively set and then attain goals. So that's the premise of the podcast. Man, I got to tell you, is uh, I'm into it. Uh, I'm 30. and uh, Yeah, man. You know, I was, I was looking into, uh, you know, the podcast description, checking it out. And I kind of gauged uh, where you and your, your co-host was uh, in your life. And... Uh, I would have pegged you for 25, uh, just a little bit more out, but uh, I, that's incredible, man. Uh, it's an interesting time in our lives. I remember when I graduated high school, um, I didn't want to go to college. Uh, I didn't like school. Now, granted, uh, I finished ninth in my class and uh, was in a running race to be uh, having the tardy record my senior year, if that is to give you about (laughs) how much I cared about my education. Uh, I never tried. So it it led me to believe that maybe if I would have tried and applied myself, I could have done more. Uh, There is no regret on that end um, at all. But... uh, I wasn't going to college, and so I didn't take the ACT. I applied for Harvard and Yale. That's a joke. Didn't even send me a letter back. What up? Uh, if, if you want me now, uh, I might come over there and be a doctor or something. I'm pretty well studied now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, but back to it is uh, so... You know, I just got back from my senior trip. We went down to Panama City, and uh, I I had decided that I was packing my bags, and I was moving to Mobile, Alabama, which is four hours south of me. I'm around the Tuscaloosa area, if y'all want to do some geography. And um, it takes about four hours in a car to get down to Mobile, but that's where I was going to move. Why Mobile? Why? Couldn't say. Didn't know. Well, my grandma caught me. I was living with my grandma at the time. Uh, son, what are you doing? I said, uh, I'm headed to Mobile. Oh, cool. What you going to do uh, for work? I don't have a job. Oh, where are you going to stay at? Well, I ain't really figured that out either. Huh. 
Well, that sounds like a great idea. Good luck. I'll be waiting for you inside. And so, of course, I laid my duffel bag, you know, just down in the bed of the truck and walked back inside, and I was like, okay, let's talk. Now, all your friends are older than you, and all your friends are going to college. Why don't you go to college? Well, I didn't exactly perform well at school, and I'm kind of over it. Well, now you're just going to move to the coast and just live in your truck. That's not an alternative that you should be looking at. And so I ended up going to a trade school, a community college, and I got an electrical trade. And uh, I worked in that field for a time. And this is where the story kind of turns. This kind of goes to faith. Um, I was working in that field for a year for a great Christian boss, uh, Electric Motor Sales and Service in Columbus, Mississippi. And uh, the the pay was fine and the work was fulfilling, but uh, my personal, uh, I wasn't fulfilled. And uh, I just... I needed more, and uh, I had started going to church and would end up going on a mission trip. And long story short, shirt, 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 (laughs) short, is uh, I would be going to Mobile to go to a private Christian college. And so 18-year-old me knew what I would be doing five years later somehow. It was just too soon. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, but, you know, college, especially when I moved down to Mobile, I moved down there with a childhood friend, and I was 21, and uh, he was too. We graduated together. We grew up together. And uh, he went to South Alabama, and I went to the University of Mobile. And uh, we were roommates two years, and then as we made our own friends, it kind of led us separate ways, and then... We did our thing, and uh, we would both finish, and we're both kind of working in that field now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 30. I'm a working professional, and it's interesting to, to hear about, uh, you know, your anxieties and, like, building your future. And I kind of stole the show for a minute, but I just wanted to kind of give you that's okay. uh, some of my background. I think that's crucial, and I, I th- and I always tell people this, you know, it's important, and last season when we talked about the faith-based stuff, we had, the whole season was guest-based, so there wasn't any episode where it was just me and I have a co-host on the podcast. Yeah. Every episode was on that theme, but it was just different stories, and the reason that I did that, it was intentional, is because I fully realized that the same concept, the same turning point that we're talking about, one person's experience of it may set something off within a listener that the others didn't, even though it's the same basic concept. So I think it's important to have multiple stories about it too, multiple perspectives. So, I mean, just a little bit about you, uh, Corbin, is, uh, you know, coming out of high school, was was you in North Carolina? You originally from there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm originally from North Carolina. And so, I mean, where'd you end up, and did was that your plan? Yeah, so, out of high school, I was... So, in high school, I was just known as the, the singer guy. 
I just, that's what I did. I sang, I, I was a musician. That was oh. the identity or the perception that people had of me. We got something else and in common. Yeah, there we go. We're freaking, <laughs> we're, we're on all cylinders up here. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I did that out of high school, and the college plan was, uh, I was, you know, applying to colleges, and one of the colleges had, you know, after I auditioned, they said, hey, you know, we think enough of you. Your freshman year, we're going to have you come and sing in Europe. And no big deal. I was ecstatic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was honored. Uh, and, you know, I got, I mean, it would be six months over there and, you know, with a completely outside of my box thing. Um, so anyway, it was my plan to go to college. That ended up working out. Everything was, was kosher. Uh, getting from that transition was at least. Um, so I went over there, had a great time, was just enjoying myself singing uh, to do, to do, to do. Anyway, so, but then I got to a point, and this is where a lot of the concepts for my book start to come to fruition. I got to a point where I thought, okay, singing. And then in my mind I said, oh, this is, people say it's impractical. It's not practical, or it's not a, it's not a good way to make a living, or it's not whatever. Uh, and yeah. at that point, and I, I, th- I think musicians tend to tend to. I thought you saw you smile. We t- we tend to relate to that point, uh, <laughs> yeah. even though it's this, it's this thing we feel called to do. It's like you know that's not that can never make it. That's not the conventional way to do things. Right. And because of that, I shifted all my plans for the future. I shifted all my plans for the future. I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, I was in my, I was in my house. I was my, my head was buried in this pillow. I was screaming. I, I was just frustrated because I had just made a decision to, to change my path and go into something that wasn't my has always been my calling or one of them at least, and pursue something different out of practicality, uh, and practicality out of what other people were telling me. And as I went on, you'll see in the story. You know, I, I did a did a bunch of different things. You know, I, I went from singer, I went to uh, being a trainer, and I was a sort of in, in the entrepreneurial space, which is where I've come back to. And then I was so wanted to be so secure that I did pre med for a while, and then now after college, I finally came back to entrepreneurship, and then am about to actually start a music business as well. But anyway, just hmm. all the different transitions that happened. But the thing was, and the thing that I learned is, I wasn't making decisions for the right reasons. Like I, like I wasn't transitioning to different things for the right reasons. I was doing it out of fear of, oh my gosh, what if this happens? What if this happens? Not chasing about all the great things and the callings and the things that I actually wanted to do that I could be doing with that time. I allowed my fear and other people's opinions to derail me, and I learned a lot through that. Let me ask you this, is, um, and it might be the fear of what people were projecting on you. Um, yes. But what about relationships, man? I mean, I mean, during that time where you in or out of serious relationships, because a lot of time that can pull you one way or the other, especially during those college years. Yeah, yeah. Um... Let me think. I mean, I was in a couple of different relationships. I'm in a long-term relationship now, actually. Uh, been about three and a half years now, so I would consider it long-term at this point. But uh, but anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been in and out of relationships, and I think just, and this isn't even just from my from a romantic partner standpoint. It's also from a you know friends, family, parents, everybody. Most of the people in my life were sort of fell into the practicality camp. They fell sure. into, and I, I and say I think, that fear. I think it's disguised as fear. I think on their end, but yes. Uh, what were you gonna say? Well. Yeah, and I, I didn't go so far as to specify maybe romance, but I know like you, your parents project what college they want right. you to go to, or your friends are all deciding to go to the same college, and your tracks may not line up with theirs. And at that point, there's anxiety. At every one of those points. Uh, and if it is romantic, if there is that high school sweetheart, so to speak, uh, you know, what if she's not getting in the same school you're getting into, and so you can't advance because you want to be with her? I mean, there are so many things that could possibly happen. Right. Yeah, I don't think... For me, there wasn't... I never, I don't, I never actually felt the urge to. I was pretty sort of a lone wolf in in the way I made decisions. I never felt the urge to follow in somebody else's path. the The bigger thing for me was other people's. You say projections. I think that was a good way to say it. Other people's maps of the world and what they thought would be good, just in general, putting that on me. So, for example, like. Everybody said, "Oh, you know, you're doing the you're doing the fitness trainer thing. You know, you should just become a doctor and go the whole way. You'll make more money. You know, you'll be respected. All these things that come along with that. Even though oh, yeah. my those people weren't becoming doctors per se, it was more as in, hey, here's this thing that is good in my view of the world. But as opposed to that, you know, I sort of got pulled by that for a long time before I decided to." take my my power back to make decisions but yet more so in that direction yeah well cool of uh, i just want to step off the beaten path uh just because you're you're younger uh what is your thoughts on cryptocurrency <laughs> i love it <laughs> my thoughts on cryptocurrency so here's my thoughts on because we can talk economics yeah so Currency in general. Let's talk about currency, and then I can get to crypto. You know, currency is is a way to store value. So, you know, in the marketplace, the, the economics is predicated on people providing something that is rendered as value. Yeah, a, a product or a service. And then the other person says, oh, yes. Um, it's like a medium of exchange. So if you take... Trying to think about how to describe it. You know, there's something in medicine, maybe this is just taking it too far out. It's a stem cell. So we all start as a cell. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a cell that is, is made into anything specific. Like, it's not a brain cell. It's not a kidney cell. It's not an anything cell. It's just a thing ready to become something. That's what okay. I see money as. And you would exchange that for something specific, depending on who you are as a person. So maybe you provide something that is, you know, car-related. And, you know, you provide value to people. It benefits their lives enough to where they will trade just the generic value for your specific thing. So I think a currency is just saying, hey, this is valuable. 
inherently, and I'm going to trust that you think it's valuable. So I think any currency, if you can exchange it for something, products, goods, something beneficial, it'll stand up in court. That's my look at any type of currency, whether you want to make it money, whether you want to make it pretty rocks, or whether you want to make it a number on a screen. Um, but then there's the questions of security. But but yeah, what were we going to say? So right there is just as you and I are getting to know each other, is uh, we're entrepreneur-minded. We are right. providing a service, maybe even a product, and we have this podcast where we are throwing our opinions out into the world. And so uh, right. That, that right there in itself is some kind of a currency. Uh, we, we want people to weigh our ideas. We want people to test them. We want people to try our product. And, uh, right. you know, just in this state that we're in with the economy is like crypto is just, uh, it, it seems like a way out. Uh-huh. It, it seems like, uh, you know, El Salvador backed Bitcoin and uh, another third world country, I think in Africa did. And you begin to think uh-huh. about the blockchain, and you begin to think about NFTs and the way that we're exchanging value uh, for these things. And granted, all we're doing is saying, I'll say that that NFT is worth three Ethereum, which is translates <laughs> to almost, oh, I don't know, at the state of the current market, but right at 12 grand for this mm-hmm. electronic image. And the only thing unique about it is, like, I'm the sole possessor of it. But I'm the one that said it was worth that value. And someone else believed it enough to buy it. And, like, we're creating this value. And so, like, when you you say entrepreneurship and when you think... And I always like opening that up with crypto because I believe it's something uh, that... Uh, it's incredibly hard to explain to people who doesn't know anything about it, but it's in, it's an incredible subject to look into because when you look at fiat, like a dollar bill, versus something electronically or digitally exchanged, it really changes the way that you think about these kind of things, even the way that an idea and its value might have, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, totally. It. It changes the way you look at the concept. Well, it, and it makes you ask, what is? It also makes for you know for us old world people, what what is money? You know, it makes you ask the question. Here, What's here's it my by? thought on it. Regardless, yeah, exactly. He, here is my thought on it. Just in general, though, if you want to protect yourself from whatever currency things are going on, sure. Start something. You know. And participate in a business where you provide value, where we, you benefit people. And regardless of the currency that's being exchanged, you are going to receive what is then regarded as valuable from that from that party, your customer. That's the way I look at it, at least for, you know, because some people I come up on are they're getting nervous about Bitcoin or nervous about cryptocurrencies and they're not aware of things, especially some mm-hmm. business owners I've run into. And it's just a matter of, hey, Make sure that you have an asset that's going to be worthy, that generates value for people. Because you will receive value in exchange for that, the medium currency of the time. 
but I mean, yeah, as far as it being electronic, that's that's it's definitely makes you think about what money is, what currency is. Yeah, and we can hop off of it, but like, you know, the dollar bill it used to be backed by gold, and now it's backed by oil. And then we think about like this thing that came out. It was 2008, 2009. It was a long the time I was graduating. I think 2012 it hit the market. 2011, maybe Bitcoin was first in, best dressed. And um, I remember hearing about it when it came out. I knew people that mined it. And we look at it today, and it's like flirting with $60,000 if you have one. And that whole thing blows my mind because you cannot physically hold it in your hand. I mean, I, I guess you could, but, like, theoretically, you can't. Like, that is just something on the Internet that says, I have 60 almost 60k of something you know what i mean it's it's mind-boggling yes. because there's there's nothing behind it and i think that's the right. part that throws a lot of people off it was like i can't hold it in my hand it was like it's isn't so intangible. that better yeah but at the same time so tangible because if you yeah. look at other other cryptos and we don't have to do a whole episode on cryptos but uh some of them are infinitely made. There's only going to be 32 million bitcoins. Mm-hmm. There's a stopping point. Mm-hmm. And so rarity is commodity. Well, and parts of that I like because, you know, you look at the at the economic system. Parts of it I like, parts of it I don't. You know, it doesn't give... It solves one problem, and then it doesn't give governments the opt out of saying, "Okay, print more money and, and pay off, you know, and, and pay off yeah. debt with it, you know, and then money loses its value." I guess that's the self-regulatory tool, but at the same time, you know, I'm interested to see if somehow, even though it's an unbound currency to nation, there is some babysitter to look at it and say, "Okay, this is, you know, make it a yeah. little bit less wild west esque." <laughs> Well, and I think that's another but, thing that's yeah. sexy about it to some people, though. Is, <laughs> I is, think so. Is it's like it's it's wild west, you know? Anything goes. I got my six shooter, you know. <laughs> right. Constant, it, yeah, blockchain duels. That, that's just it. That's just it. And so uh, let's. Uh, sorry, I got us derailed, but uh, I, I figured it might be a fun topic. No, I just wanted to push it, you a little it's bit. It's fun. And hey, I want to say one more thing here. I I think it's also interesting how we've been creeping towards that um, not a paper, you know, like digital banking. Like even with the existing currencies, they're the fiat, as you say. Um, you know, they are on they they're mm-hmm. online too. It's a number on a screen. I think we're just becoming less and less attached, at least for the people on the front end of the adaptation curve, to that piece of paper. So I think that's really neat. In the same way that it went from pretty rocks to paper. Now it's going from, from paper to a number or a design on a screen. So I think that's crazy and unique. So another adaptation. There's some, that's it. That's just it. And uh, just to get it back on track. And so um, let, let's, let me put you here. You're coming out of college after all this he said, she said, projection, and you finally decided what you're going to study, and you went through with it. What did you decide? And uh, they always say, 
right when you step out as an undergrad, the following Monday is when the real world kind of grabs you by the shoulders. It's like, so what you go? So what you going to do now? You don't have to go to class, right? Um, see, so in regards to that, the good thing about me is I am extremely self-driven. So I actually learn and am more productive whenever I don't have someone setting the criteria for what I'm supposed to be doing. So I can actually be more productive on my own in that way. So I had a critical advantage in that way of not feeling completely out of loss Pressured. about, okay, what do I do now? Like, like what, like, hey, there's no <laughs> class. I'm not getting out of bed. Like, thankfully I wasn't that guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I ended up in the other question you asked about me coming out of college or what I studied in college. So I started in music. I, really fell in love with entrepreneurship, starting my own business, being my own boss. Uh, I'm just not a guy, I'm not a guy that wants to, I want to create my own dream company. I don't want to like work, I don't want to just join someone else's dream. And I always, I always felt that for myself. And secondly, I really value personal freedom. So I want to work whenever I want to work and, and set my own hours in that way as well. Um, and then whenever I, I got, but I got influenced. So I got influenced back into, remember, I did the pre-medical part, which is the opposite of that. It's it's the opposite of that. So restricted, so um, a lot of people don't realize just how little freedom physicians have. There's very strict criteria. But anyway, but coming back out of that and whenever, now what I'm pursuing after college is building businesses, uh, mostly online businesses, and especially in the self-development uh, space. Uh, I'm really just following what I like doing, and I found that the best marketing strategy in the world is making yourself the target customer. So I only make things, and I told somebody this today, I only make things that benefit me a year ago or a month ago. I make products that I want but I could not find. That is how I market my scheme, and that is very fulfilling for me. Because one, it's sort of this weird thing where I'm helping my past self, but two, I'm helping people that are a lot like me and have had similar problems to me, and that's really fulfilling to me, and I can make money doing it. So it's really the the perfect world for me. Right on. So that's what I'm doing now. And so tell me about the development of y'all's podcast, uh, you and your buddy. Uh, this is uh, uh, post graduation in college how did y'all formulate the idea so we formulated it so here's the here's the crazy thing i was up here i was still um finishing up my pre-med classes my last couple because at that point i was lying to myself and still acting like i wanted to go to medical school so i was doing all the things that you do to get into medical school anyway um i was up here studying my buddy came in and he says, we just started talking. And we always have these talks where we're very open and honest with one another. And we can talk about how we really feel about our situation. And we can open up in a way that generally people don't open up because they're afraid of being judged or they're afraid of, you know, maybe they won't be accepted or loved because of the way they're feeling. And we didn't have that. Like, we could have a conversation that was unfiltered. And it was really healing for both of us. 
So right the there. reason we started doing the podcast is I said, hey, I, we need to record this. This is going to help people. Like, like we, like if it's making me feel great doing this. Why don't we share this with other people and have them feel great too? And and that is why we started doing the podcast. That's where the idea came from. That's my thing. And uh, I know I asked that before. I just wanted to reiterate that to reopen the door right here is uh, very same vision in that regard. Uh, this podcast is called Porch Talk. Uh, I moved down to the coast for six years. I moved back here. I ain't seen these boys in six, seven years. And uh, I moved back to town. I said, uh, I'm about to come see you. And we would pull up. And I'd sit on my friend's porch. And we would talk. We weren't just talking. We weren't talking about the weather. We were talking finance. We were talking culture. We were talking uh, things that matter. Planning for your future. Yeah, we get a little silly. We do funny stuff. Yeah, sure. Then we break out guitars or piano. We play some music. And we done that for a few times. And uh, after a long, I and I just started listening to podcasts, and I was like, "There ain't a podcast like this in the world." I was like, "Let's get together. Let's talk." And then we'll pass a guitar, and we'll be done. And then it kind of developed as it got off my porch, so to speak. And then uh, I started interviewing local small business owners, local uh, venue owners, uh, interviewing musicians. Uh, I'm putting out a record. It's the Porch Talk record. And it's live things that I've caught off my mic. And, uh, I mean, I'm throwing a festival um, in November, first weekend of November, my birthday weekend. Um, We're throwing a festival, man. And I'm inviting people down that's been on the podcast and be like, come play some music. We're inviting people to camp. They can come hang out. There's people coming from all over. We're going to have a good time Saturday, Sunday. And then when I say it's time for you to leave, you got to (laughs) go. Yeah, we're just we're gonna have a good time. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that is super awesome. It's crazy what a podcast can do. It is. It's crazy what it can do for the host, and it's also crazy what it can do for the listener. You know, I, I think it's it's really neat. Yeah, and uh, quick fire round. What is the craziest learning experience you've learned? since hosting a podcast uh about the podcast specifically or just in general let's do both i like it i like it this is what i've learned honestly this sort of is does this one thing covers both frankly it's really that i need to I think everybody needs to express themselves in the world as they actually are as opposed to trying to follow the script of what 
everybody what other people think you should be. And the to old bring that down. Quo. Yeah, the good old status quo. Yeah, I. The problem with that is we're all super unique. You know, we have different experiences, different interests, different what have you. And I think it's really important. And I think. Uh, and I'll explain it this way. There was a study done where there's people who they talk to people who were on their deathbed. And they asked them, what is your biggest regret about your life? And these people said that I didn't have the courage to do the things that I wanted in life. Instead, I didn't tell, I didn't show my truth in the world and I just did what everybody else thought I should. And they said, that is my biggest regret in this world. And that really tells me something about the way I should live my life. And that's exactly why I am doing things the way I am. I'll tell you this, and uh, y'all said y'all did a chapter on faith. And so mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, is uh, I come from a Judeo-Christian background, and I prescribe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh-huh. um, I'll tell you this, uh, a man never did anything but speak the truth and perform miracles. And he was killed. For he said, she said, for being the truth. And so, just in my own life, and with what you just said, and I believe you said it, is I want to be true to myself, and I want to be true to what I believe, and I need to have the outlet to do it. And if I offend you, I didn't mean to. But uh, if I affected you, I hope it was affecting you right. And I believe that was the same case as my Savior. Um, I, uh, and I have this big uh, battle with social media. I don't like being on it. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of social media. And uh, I believe it does an incredible amount of harm to teenagers. Uh you're seven years younger than me. I don't know what kind of damage it could have done or if growing up with it kind of made it to where it didn't. But, um, you know, we had this whistleblower, which was nothing more than a Trojan horse, come out. What she's calling for is government overreach, and it was a big exposure on uh, teenage girl suicide. That's a tragedy. That is a deep tragedy. I'm on tangent, <laughs> Corbin. <laughs> but uh, that's all uh, good. Hey, tangent away. Yeah, but what's more horrible is with male teenagers. It's four times that. Four times that suicide rate. My gosh. And we're talking about we've we've just entered this new culture. Now, granted, I'll say, dude, I'm I'm a straight white male. Uh, I'm glad that we've done so much for women's rights, and we've done right. a lot for gay rights. And Dave Chappelle just did a sketch, uh, or a special, for Netflix called The Closer, and it was mainly the material toward LGBTQ, uh, that crowd. 
And from beginning to end, I listened to it because it got a whole lot of flack uh, from the community. And he did nothing wrong. Uh, Comedy is a very special thing to me. It's as close to me as his music. It's, It's possibly closer. Is It goes back to the old court gesture that could give the report to the king. But he could present it in such a way that would make something so horrific laughable to where you could actually have the frame of mind to think about it. That's what comedy does. If you ever aspire to do stand-up comedy, it's, there's a difference in being subjectively funny and objectively funny. To be subjectively funny is to, be, to walk the halls of George Carlin, Norm MacDonald, Dave Chappelle. Uh, I could go on and on. Objective comedy leaves half the room horrified with the other half laughing their ass off. And the half that is horrified wants to laugh, but they just can't because they've been conditioned. That's interesting. Think about it. And if you haven't seen The Closer by Dave Chappelle, he'll almost break your heart at the end. And then he'll tell this joke that will completely redeem it. Or it will horrify you. And I'm telling you, we need to get back to a place to where it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I think that's really neat about comedy, especially the court gesture thing. Like you can you can take something that we perceived to that's be where it came from and reframe it. Well, I mean that is that is comedy, my friend. Even the way that we do it with playwrights. Uh, you said you were into singing. I don't know how much, but like I'm into plays. I'm into comedy. I'm into everything on the stage. And so right. when you think about a comedy, I mean think about the mask of comedy. What is it set by? Drama. And think about mythology and the Greeks and the Romans and like these playwrights and Shakespeare and how we did all this is how the absolute worst was also brought around right back to circle with comedy. To where it would sit on your stomach. To where you could actually think through it. Huh. Wow. Because some sometimes, I mean, if you were just completely serious, it's just too hard to ingest. But if you right. can give a little sugar, you might be able to let it break down. We're going to get that medicine to go down. <laughs> yeah. You got to put that dog pill in a big pile of meat, right? Yep. Comedy's the the meat. That's it. I don't have any idea how I chased that rabbit trail. I appreciate your patience. I hey, I am patient, (laughs) man. Hey, and this and this is a podcast. You run it how you want, man. The people the people want what they want. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just out here uh, scrambling some eggs.
scrambling some eggs, catching some crypto, yeah. catching some like origins of comedy. I love it. I love it. I mean, where else could we go? Let me ask you this. All right, quick fire. This is going to be like Step Brothers. Please tell me you know that film. I do. Okay. All right. Boats and hoes. You're good with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got to yeah, check. Yeah, I, I, I I've seen that. It's, it's an excellent. It's one of my favorites. Right on. I got to check myself. But, uh... <laughs> It just kind of goes to that stepbrother mentality. So, uh, Quickfire, what is your favorite band? Favorite band? Uh, I wouldn't say favorite band. I'd say John Mayer. Right on. All right. What or who is your favorite author? I would have to say... It's a guy, his name's Dale Carnegie. He wrote uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it is just like, I'm a big psychology buff, and it's all about these little behavioral things that uh, people react to and, and tend to be attracted to. It's super interesting. Read that book. Um, I actually read that book uh, in the process of starting this podcast. What? And, That's uh, awesome. We... We were, uh, there's a lot of things I like about that book, and there's a lot of things that I don't like about it. Really? Um, I'd love to I think hear. It's, I, I, I think it's a great book for anyone exploring that, but I believe um, it comes too much from a Freudian psychologist viewpoint of the world. I don't believe it, op- it opened up enough worldviews. Uh-huh. I believe it was kind of, it was... It was, he did a better job of taking information than he did giving, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. I gotcha. You think, like, he had more that he could have said about different viewpoints? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, But what was crazy is we were just a few episodes in to doing this podcast. It finally went live. And uh, I was at Memphis in May, Bill Street Music Festival. Um, Memphis, Tennessee does this festival in May at, toward the end. Actually, toward the beginning. Yeah, the very beginning. First weekend in May. And uh, Mudfest, all these great nicknames. And in the Airbnb that we had with a guy that I had just recorded the episode with, we were doing this podcast together. Right there on the Airbnb's bookshelf was that book. Wow. I was like... Some divine intervention. How about that? And uh, we just had a conversation about it. He was like, I was actually going to recommend that book to you. And I was like, I had already read it. You know, I, I, I had already done it. So I, I believe it's uh, there's there's a lot of books out there that's to help teach you how to talk to people. I mean, we had never met. We're doing fine. Right. Exactly. We're we're trucking uh, along, man. We're doing awesome. And uh, I mean, I believe some of those principles came from that book. Yeah. Just yeah. 
You gotta step out. You gotta step outside yourself. Yeah, it's super neat. I think some of the most incredible things in life are the connections we have with other people. So you know, yeah, I, I think that's it's really neat and a staple. It should be a staple in anyone's library. That's it. I think so. Uh, how are you doing on time? I think we're good for a fresh topic. Let's go here. I thought because I believe the last thing we were talking we were talking about uh, entrepreneurial mind things. Let's go. Just back to uh, when y'all started the podcast. Uh, maybe after y'all had done the first season, and uh, when y'all were looking back to see what y'all had done, what were some of the impressions you had? Yeah, I mean, I think one was there's a great form of satisfaction whenever you turn around and look at all the progress you've made, especially when it's something that no one told you to do. When it when it was just, you didn't have to, you didn't need to, but you wanted to and you did it. And I think the fact that we looked back on that first season and saw that we had created something and people liked it was was amazing and and people could use it because and that's and that's the big thing for me my fulfillment comes from when my experience can actually affect someone else positively that that that's it for me like if i like if i can do that i'm gonna be super satisfied and we got that and in the process grew and enjoyed just the intrinsic motivation and the intrinsic enjoyment of doing the podcast so much so uh, honestly, I couldn't have been happier at, at that point. Right on, man. And let's just talk a little bit about your book. Uh, when did that come about? Um, like as far as, uh, well, I believe I got something to say on this subject. And just even that subject coming up. I mean, how did that come to be? Yeah, well... So I went through the most difficult part of my life, and thankfully, in my opinion, I haven't had a super difficult life, but in, in the most trying point of my life, it was right after college, and it was whenever I was doing pre-med, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a satisfying life path for me, but I suppressed that. And that suppression, they say if you push something down and you're not expressing yourself, that will express itself in a different way. It will express itself even if you suppress it, but it comes back as a negative thing. And for me, that manifested as anxiety. So the fact that I was lying to myself about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life was just destroying me from the inside out to the point where... I started having physical manifestations of that. So I was bedridden for three days because my entire back was locked up. I could not move. I had to, my girlfriend had to walk me to the bathroom, like I was just completely incapable of doing anything because I was so anxious and had so much muscle tension that it came to the point of of bedridden physical illness, and I didn't realize that something. I think, I mean, maybe I could think of it before then, but I didn't realize just the amount that your psychology and what you're doing in your mind can do to your body 
until then. And it really messed me up. Uh, I mean, a lot of things were happening. And I went... Go ahead. And I went and I went back to that question again, just because, I mean, just like looking at you, you seem to be fairly physical fit, like without, you know, any kind of ailment. And I was, I was thinking about when you had answered that before, like with the, the finishing part, like the being bedridden and just sick is, um, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter uh, what kind of shape you're in when this anxiety or whatever this crippling thing in creeps in and on your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people underestimate, one, the connection of your mindset and your body, too, regardless of that. You know, we, we see a lot of examples of things sneaking up on people, even even though they're in good shape, perceived, you know. To me, it was more psychosomatic, but, right. but yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, just like, just, is this book for uh, people going into college, coming out of college? Like, what walk of life do you recommend this book for? It is for anyone who feels lost or anxious about what, at any point in their life, it helps people to find clarity and direction. Uh, and that that is the big staple. It helps people to refocus and figure out what they're supposed to be doing. I, I found that I was sort of just stuck, and the first chapter, it's called Spaces, is scary. And it's because I had nothing to ground me. I had no direction, and I'm telling you, that is horrifying. Like, like that, that is scary and anxiety-provoking. And most of the book is just the lessons I learned and how I found my direction. I literally went, it's called Unconventional Anxious to Alive. And I called it that because I literally went from anxious in the worst part of my life to the best part of my life. I am, I am currently living, this is my favorite part of my life thus far because I have actually, because of the things that I learned and then those things I put in the book. And because of that and because I noticed that pattern, I was like, I have to get this out to people. So with that said, my specific thing was, yeah, I was coming out of college, and um, that was my transition. But this isn't exclusive to people coming out of college. This is for anybody who doesn't have a lot of clarity about what they, what's going to be best for them to do right now in their life. They're sort of out in space. And uh, the, the other part of it is just talking about how to create the environment around you to where you can be just in a better place in your life, to feel better, to feel more joy in your day, and to feel uh, more drive towards doing interesting things. So one part is finding clarity. The next part is putting the right people and listening to the right things and getting that stuff around you. So that's what the book is, and that's what the value it provides. All right. Uh, yeah, well, I want to I wanna dig into that idea just a touch. And so with with these ideas that you're presenting, would these be rules uh, that you would say live by? Uh, uh, yeah. to, the, to the effect of, of, like, just some of what I gathered is just from your life experiences, like maybe there were some relationships that were taking you down the path that uh, wasn't going to be for your good, so you needed to get away. Sure. Or, you know, whatever that situation was, I mean, 
I mean, we could sit here and paint uh, relationships all night. I mean, it could be a, uh, a parent who is uh, just beats on you, or uh, I mean, it could be you know we could do this all night. Right. And it it seems it seems a bit, but like what is your cornerstone? Like what do you look towards as being a basis for life? What where do the rules come from? I guess. Sure. Totally. So. Here's the way I, here's my system of living. It is really, the, the main thing is you got to figure out wh- who and what you inherently are. And that comes from a lot of different self-knowledge exercises. Who am I? What do I want? Why do I want it? Those big questions. And then having the courage to actually live that out so once you're clear on what you want, having the courage and the processes under that to make that your life. So the way I'm okay. working right now is essentially values, things that you think are the most important. And then under that, it's a system, it's goals, which are smaller things. For so make a, maybe a value is freedom. And maybe a goal for me is freedom from, from a financial standpoint. So I have student debt. And I have $47,500 worth of student debt. And then under that goal, I have objectives selected that would make the probability of that goal happening more likely. Um, But just as a broad stroke and what's more included in this first book is get to know yourself and live that out like nobody else can. Because, you know, a lot of people fall back, like I said and before, and I help people to overcome their fears and get to know themselves and build confidence in this first book. And I live my life on the basis of I need to be true to myself and stop lying to myself and do that in the world. And the book gives you tools and uh, different exercises to how you can discover what you want and then helps you to build confidence to go do it. So, so that's the that is the model of the book and the cornerstone of it. Right on, and so I mean, like, uh, just from there, I mean, were you looking to uh, previous psychologists or uh, like what was the back and work for it, or uh, was it just from life experience? So some of both. Um, I got so like one piece of it. It's more like I took things that I got from self-development people, psychologists, neuroscientists, uh, lots of different things, and I took that and I adapted that to my life, made tweaks to how you do it, and this is just for some things. Some things are completely from from me just making them up. Um, but for example, there is a book called U-Turn, and it's talking about big career decisions that people make. And there's a one exercise from that book that I like that I changed slightly for my book. It's called The Joy Journal. And what you do mm. is you track for however long of a period, but preferably 30 days. And this is getting to know what you like and what you're naturally drawn to, um, you know, under the assumption that if you do that more, then you'll like your life more because you're doing the things you like to do. Anyway, joy journaling is you go through your each day, and at the, at the end of the day, at night, you write down all the things from today that were enjoyable, your favorite part of the day. And then at As you go on, you can do it every 10 days or every five or whatever, or just at the end, you look for patterns in that journal. And if you have, say, um, I really liked recording the podcast today. I like speaking to people. 
I like interacting with people. You make a note of that if that's a common theme. And then mm-hmm. you realize that that is something that needs to be more in your life because it's something you really enjoy. And thinking about incorporating that, incorporating that in your work life or your personal life or both, depending on what it is, if it applies. So, so yeah, I went off the basis of some of the things that worked for me and just things that I straight up made up and then some things I took and refined from other people's work. What is your favorite thing to do in your downtime? Mm. I would say... This has actually just been recent, um, but a new favorite, I guess you'd say. I have a friend who's really into like firearms and stuff, and uh, I just went shooting with him the other weekend. It was super fun, which is... I'm not going to say out of character for me, but it's something I haven't done a lot of in the past. <laughs> um, but it was super fun. Right on. Uh, so I like doing that. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah. I, I like to just shoot that question out of the barrel. Yeah. Um, I, you really never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and, uh, what what responses mean, have you gotten to way that? To go- <laughs> I mean, it it varies really. It's uh, man, watching TV, but I mean, you came out the barrel with something classic. Uh, I mean, it's just something here lately I've been into. Uh, I like to go out there and bust some caps. <laughs> yeah, man, just throwing it back, you know, <laughs> throwing it back to to the classic sort of beat my chest manly thing. Yeah, man. Well, I would like to uh, ask you. A couple more questions, and Perfect. then uh, we might open the conversation up more broadly. But I wanted to, as a your welcome, is uh, what has been your favorite part about this interview? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, just your relatability. I think I think also just the casual interaction part of it. You know, it's not, it's not structured. It's long form. It's very authentic and uncut, which is, which is fun. I don't feel like I'm on the Today Show. I feel like I'm just here hanging out, which is which is cool. Yeah, man. And I feel like uh, if I was on y'all's cast, that might be the way uh, that it would be. Uh, I know y- y'all are more, I guess, segmented than I, uh, but I'm very uh, free-formed in that regard. Yeah, no, I, li- I like it. I mean, I think it's so cool, and I think every podcast, and this is why having so many podcasts to to look at and to and to listen to is so cool because everybody has their own take and everybody has their own personality and and it's refreshing to see yeah. different takes on it. I tell you my favorite part is uh I literally just threw economy or just whatever I wanted to throw at you and you just rode with it. Yeah, man. I love it. It's super fun though, you know. I, I like just the just the boom 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 format. I'm cool, man. Yeah, so uh I wanna roll one more idea off of you. I wanna do a little pop culture with you. Let's do it. Alright, so with um and I don't know if you've had time to watch it. I don't know if you are. Are you a fan of the Marvel universe? Or are you more of a DC guy? Uh I, I can play both. I'm I'm a moderate in both, and then know a little bit about both. I'd say. All right. So, uh, quick draw. Favorite superhero movie? Oh gosh. Um, 
I'd have to say the the second it's in it's in the recent Batman, not super recent, but it's the, it's the three Batman movies. It's like the it's like the Batman the, Begins, The Dark Knight, the Dark, the Dark Knight. Yes, with Heath Ledger being Joker. Yes, that is my favorite Superman or my my favorite superhero movie. I like that series, but that one is is just classic to me. How about you? That is a uh, that's close to my heart. It truly is, but. Uh, my heart of hearts, it has to go to Robert Downey Jr. in the very first Iron Man. Ah, uh, yes. I, I like Robert Downey And then number two, number two is definitely The Dark Knight with Christian Bale playing Batman with Heath Ledger doing Joker. Number three, this might blow your mind. It's a little bit before your time, but maybe you've seen it. Toby Mc Toby Maguire's Spider Man. Oh, yep, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, I do like the spot. I would say I like Batman just as a general superhero. I like Batman and then Spider Man is my second. Like if I'm if I'm sitting down to watch a movie, those are those are probably my guys. I named it that way for an order. Um uh, Iron Man, if I had enough money to be technologically advanced, I feel like I would build a suit like that to help humanity and not be a dick. <laughs> right? I love it. So, like, that is, that's that. And then number two being Batman is, like, once again, if I was rich and I would be a badass in a jitsu and just have, like, a whole lot of developmental things that made me more badass without actually being super... Okay, so my one and two ain't even that super without a suit right. or money. Right. Number three, uh, you get bit by my absolute biggest fear, arachnophobia. <laughs> and look, I'm not, I'm, okay. Arachnophobia shout out. Girls. <laughs> what up, what up, what up? Now, girls, I get it. Y'all like the Andrew Garfield. Y'all like the shape of his ass and the skin suit. I get it. Okay, girls. <laughs> I get it, but look, I'm going to tell you something. I like my Spider-Man being able to shoot webs out of his wrist. I don't like the him being really smart or Iron Man giving him the technology. He got bit by that spider, so not only did he get the reflexes, but he also got the ability, and he is metahuman at this point. Right. He is more than human. That And like... Okay, screw that. Spider bites you, sped up reflexes. I mean, there are these Brazilian spiders that'll bite you. I'm, you're about to laugh, buddy. Get ready. They'll bite you. Now, you'll have an erection till you die. And then you're dead. That's how you die. Wow, that's a way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> And they come over here to America with our bananas and everything that we get from Brazil. So, I mean, you never really know. Hey, check your bananas when you go to Walmart. <laughs> Fear factor. Looking out for that Brazilian wild runner. If it bites you, you're going to have a hell of a dick. That's a, and then you go die. That's a good PSA. <laughs> Everybody check your bananas for them, for them erection spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like to uh, I like to mess with you a little bit, and so uh, 
I mean, give me a little round about on pop culture, man. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, why is why is that your three? Why is that my three? I gave you my three. Oh, why is that my three? Yeah, wait. So I said the Batman. What else did I have? So with with the Batman movie. I like the the creepiness and the mystery behind the Joker, I think. Like the opening scene, you know the opening scene where all the guy, all the bank robbers are coming in and they've got the masks on and like you think one of them's the Joker, you don't really know and they're all like they end up crossing oh, yeah. each other. Just that like villainous ideology, I really like. And then plus the Batmobile, okay. like sick looking car. <laughs> you know like what's not to like, looks like a dream car. Um, but honestly, it's like I really like Batman, but I think maybe my draw to the movie is the Joker in that one. Just the all the little intricacies of the Joker. Okay, uh, with your history, have you experienced all the different Jokers of the past? Well, uh, not I wouldn't say all of them, but I'd say you know that's definitely one that is has a psychological depth that some of the other ones didn't, in my opinion. Are you saying that because you're schizophrenic? <laughs> no, not not personally. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just messing but, with you. But, I don't know, his just is like... But you do, do you remember that part of the movie? Which which part are you talking about? I'm talking about you remember? the with the Joker. Okay, so, uh, okay, right before Two-Face... Remember when Two Face got the call and he had the crazy guy in the street, and then Batman approached him. Oh right, right, right. right. He's like he was about to kill the guy. Right, right. And then you know Batman talks some sense into Two Face. Can't remember the lawyer's name, the general attorney, whatever at the moment. Right. Uh, Harvey Dent. Yes. There it is. So he was like, "What are you gonna do? You can't talk some sense into him." Right, right. That's the kind of people that the Joker draws. Right. Right. Yeah, I just... And then with the latest, with the latest uh, Joker movie, which was a great film, uh, it seemed to draw some more of the same crowd. Right. And you, do you remember, like, with the Batman Begins, it happened in Aurora, Colorado, with the shooting? Oh, right, right. Do you remember that? I, I do, yeah. So with this new Joker... With this new Joker movie, they were actually worried about a shooting again. Oh my gosh. And then I don't know if you've seen it, but it would have been prime time. I mean, I would never wish for that, but like just how that movie went down, you know, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's It's kind of crazy how... It's kind of crazy how much pop culture plays into our lives. And we really have to guard ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that... I mean, talk about, like, copycat killers and the whole serial killers sort of doing it for the attention part of it. Uh, there's a really neat thing. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Tony Robbins? You familiar? Yes, I have. So he talks about the, the six basic human needs and talks about, like, uh, one of them is significance. This is, in his mind, the, the main six. But anyway, he's talking about, you know, we all have different ways of achieving these needs. 
whether we're significant in the way that, hey, I'm going to go start a nonprofit or whether I'm going to go shoot up a movie theater. Because, I mean, if you come in with a gun and you're, you know, or you're a serial killer and you're getting attention and significance by going on a killing spree, it's all, we're trying to meet the same need, but it's in a different way. And I think that's, just piggybacking off of that is a really neat concept. Absolutely. I mean, and you think about that, uh, the need of it. And I'll tell you this, is this is the absolute need of a human being. It goes to the most animalistic side of ourselves. Is There's three things that you and I need and every human needs in order to not be driven insane. You know what they are? I'm interested to hear, hear your take on them. Yeah, go ahead. Shelter, family, food. Uh-huh. You need somewhere to be safe, you need somewhere to be alone, and you need to nurture yourself. Uh-huh, very interesting. Yeah, I think it's And then, like people adaptive. would say, re- reproduction? Reproduction? That yeah. falls under family. Right. It's three basic primal needs. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, very. And if you adaptive. don't have those, you'll be driven mad. Think about it tonight. What if your landlord, and maybe you you own your own house. I'm not saying that, but let's just say whoever somebody came in and put you out tonight, you're gonna be driven wild. Right. You're gonna be on the phone till your phone dies until you have somewhere to lay your head. Mm-hmm. Or then. Worst case, you sleep in your car. Right. If you have a car. Right? Right. Because we're going to take care of shelter. And then number two, well, I got to eat. And then number three, it's everyone else that surrounds me. Right. Yeah, I think uh, thinking about some of those things when it comes to your priorities, super, super crucial. Yeah. And, I mean, you take it to the animal context or just pop culture and everything that pop culture emulates. Um, let's go this. Uh, what's the latest show you caught in North Carolina or wherever? What's the latest show you went to? Oh, like music-wise? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, let me think. Are you a big show-goer? Uh, not big, but I go. Um I think it was an old Dominion concert. You know of them? Okay. I do not. Oh, they're a, they are a uh, like a country group. Oh, so you like country? I do. Um, I like. So my main thing that I sing is like is like pop or pop rock fusion. Um, but I like country. I like a lot of different things, frankly. Right up. I mean, you say John Mayer. That's a dope plug. What are your thoughts on Jack Johnson? Oh, I like Jack Johnson. I think his his is really great for, like, if I'm working on something, that's something to have in the background. Like, I, I really like that. Real chill vibe, right? Oh, yeah. While we're on that trail, what about Amos Lee? Amos, oh, yeah, so I, I like, um, what is it, Sweet Pea? 
You know that song? That's right. Yeah, I like Sweet that. Pea, Apple of My. Exactly. Yeah. That Amos Lee did cover it. That was not an original of his. Yeah, who, who was the original? That's an old song. That is a great song. Uh, and that's a great question. And without my Google Box machine that I'm communicating with you on, <laughs> I am rendered useless. <laughs> oh, God, but, the Google uh, Box machine. Let me see. Let me uh, grab this computer later. Sweet Pea. It was uh, originally... Dun, 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 dun. Oh, i got to put the song in here because everybody's doing uh, apothecary and everything else with it now. Shout out to coronavirus for all these uh, in- incredible endeavors in business. <laughs> the Google box says Tommy Rowe, but I do not agree. You don't agree with, with Google box? I do not. Uh, the Google box doesn't tell the truth anymore. You have to go to the second page from time to time. I like to tell people to use DuckDuckGo as their primary uh, search engine. It's like when you were in college, um, you're advised not to use Wikipedia because Wikipedia is not reliable. Right. And then what do we all do is like we look it up on Wikipedia and then we look at their sources and then we try to source two or three outside of that so we don't get caught because we're lazy. <laughs> and um, you might go to a library and check out a book and like then look the book up and like, okay, at page 46, something cool happened. I mean, we everybody knows you're not going to read that. Or maybe you're the kind of person that does. I'm just saying I do f- research and try to do it as fast as I can. This is the way my... Sh- I don't need to... I don't need the 300 page. I'm not trying to put all that in my mind. I just need the bullet point. Right. Because uh, uh, I'm literally writing this for a paper. And I'll never think of this subject again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your and interest. So back, it, and that's just it. Sweet Pea, I just absolutely know that that song was not written by Amos Lee. I just absolutely know. It was uh, the venture. Come on. Oh, there's a lot of them, buddy. And I wouldn't write the first time. The version that I learned that Amos Lou plays is played by Donald Lautrick. It was released in 1967. But the original Sweet Pea, at least as an instrumental, was done by the Ventures, who also wrote a song called Wild thing. Aha! A little music history here tonight on Porch Talk. I know. Hey, throwing it back, man. That, that's crazy. Yes, some of those songs are just so coverable, as the as you say. They are, and people really they they really do forget. I believe this is um, how much uh, traveling have you done uh, in your life? A lot. Uh, especially as of college. So, uh, how much time have you spent in just the southeast, with the exception of uh, your home state, North Carolina? Uh, Not talking worldly. Yeah, no, I mean a decent, a decent amount. We can we can go worldly if you like. I've done quite a bit, but 
Let's let's start in the south. Yeah, um, I've done a lot of time in Florida. Uh, I've done some time in Vir- Virginia and Florida were honestly my biggest as far as time spent. Right on. And so, like with John Mayer, as uh, you brought it up twice, I would uh, assume that you have some kind of relationship with the blues. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, you know the seventh chords, that sort of thing, the the bluesy tonality. Uh, yeah, I really do. And I was just asking to see if you had ever been to Mississippi. Perhaps Louisiana or Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. And so Memphis, New Orleans, and Mississippi as a whole. And uh, it depends on which documentary you watch. And I shall not throw shade at nobody. Chicago, hey, I love you up there. But you sure didn't do it. So, um... In my opinion, it was Mississippi that started the blues. Some say New Orleans, some say Memphis, but I would say Mississippi. And uh, I believe that was why Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, came to Mississippi to the crossroads, get the dirt from the jar. They didn't go to Louisiana. They didn't go to Tennessee. And I believe they would have known where to go. So you think your your bet is, would you say, a Mississippi? Mm-hmm. That's the spot, huh? This ain't nothing we could absolutely prove. But I would say it was the spot. <laughs> the blue the bluesy spot. Front porch blues. Yes. It happened in the Delta. Right. North Carolina is not making a comment. He does not feel strong any kind of way about it. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of songs. I mean, blues related talking about the talking about the Delta. So I mean, you know, you've you've got plenty of others backing you. As far as that goes, I don't need I don't need Corbin Elliott. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted one more. You just wanted one I, I more. I tell, I tell you right what. Now. I tell you what. I will support you formally. I just needed you right now. S- sign my name on the dotted line. I'll support you. <laughs> yeah, I've got one more. It confirms everything I need. Okay. <laughs> now you've got it. <laughs> All right, that seals the deal. I'm sorry, New Orleans. I'm sorry, Memphis, but it has been confirmed now. <laughs> um, the case is closed. We got the vote from North Carolina. We said it had to be so. I appreciate everyone and all their support. <laughs> it's closed. That's, that's the, is that the real reason you had me on? <laughs> it's just is to confirm this? You were just buttering me up this entire show, and now, boom, open up. Would you stop calling me out on such things? <laughs> Look, look, yes, okay, yes. Tell your viewership, at least there's a we had to know. honesty. Yeah, so all right, dude, let's do two more questions, and I'm going to let you off the hook. Cool, man. 
Oh, I feel like I've done all the interviewing tonight. I just knew you was going to interview me some. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, dude. All right. What is your favorite, if you are a TV guy, what's your favorite TV show right now? Hmm. On Netflix, I've been dabbling with Better Call Saul. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. We're talking about the prequel to, uh, oh, what's that old meth show? Oh. <laughs> that old meth show. You mean Breaking Bad? <laughs> what's that old? Better Breaking Bad. Yes, that's I the love one. That old meth show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,. Yeah, so it's the prequel to that. It's about uh, the lawyer guy. Right on. Yeah. So that's what I'm watching right now. It's a real intense legal drama. I mean, and you're into legality to some extent. (laughs) I I guess so. I, I think it's... I like the drama. Like, there's the two brothers, and they're both attorneys, and there's, like, all this... It's the most interesting you can make, probably, the legal system, I'd say. There, there's lots of little drama ins and outs, you know. Like, there's piles of paperwork, but it's somehow still, uh, like, it, it's encapsulating. Like, it, it gets you excited. Right on. And last question. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. All right, plug uh, ways to find you on social media, your podcast, your book, and all things you'll have going on. Uh, Corbin, it was such a pleasure. Walk it out the door, my friend. All right, I'm going to walk straight out the door. Um, So for the podcast, you can find us at the Peace and Purpose Podcast. That is on Apple Podcasts. It is on Google Podcasts. It is on Spotify, wherever you like to listen. Uh, get on there if you like it. If you like what you've seen from me today, subscribe. Um, the book is called Unconventional, Anxious to Alive, and you can find that on Amazon. Uh, and then, as far as social media goes, I am at underscore call me Corbin, and that's Instagram. Right on. Corbin, thank you so much. Yeah, all right, man. Right here. Well, it was a, it was a blast. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you use. Thanks in advance. Share the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, You can look that up by Porch Talk or my name, Alan Aldridge. Uh, We're putting more content on the YouTube, we're working more toward video. Uh, that was Corbin Elliott of the Peace and Purpose Podcast. You can find that on your favorite uh, podcast app. Check them out. And uh, we're going to walk this thing on out the door. We gave you the news. Now here's the note. The blips. In... Side out.